in the middle of this pandemic, while our federal government seems more concerned with, you know, bailing out corporations and institutions and businesses, you know, we need to fight for a people's bailout. And then the George Floyd protests, I think really had me go back to Dr. King, who was talking about the guaranteed income during a similar time in this nation's history, when there was 253 riots across the nation of people who are protesting and saying enough is enough. The guaranteed income is really about dignity. We can have better systems that really um, lift the the whole nation as a whole. Well, uh, Michael and I were on a panel. You said to me after the panel, you said, Andrew, you can say shit I could never get away with saying. And I really took that to heart, Michael. It's one of the things that came through to me during the campaign was that like we each have a message and unfortunately or fortunately, like the message and the messenger really get tied up together uh, today in America. You know, it's like, like like we could all be saying the same thing and it would be interpreted very, very differently based upon uh, who we are. The messenger is really important and it really takes all of us coming together um, to push this this needle forward. Hello, everyone, and thank you for being here. Welcome to Yang Speaks. We have three incredible leaders on the show this time. Uh, Mayor Michael Tubbs, who you may know as the champion and leader of Mayors for Guaranteed Income, something very near and dear to to my heart and hopefully most of you listening uh, to this. And if you don't like basic income, then you're in the wrong place. (laughs) Clearly, my name is Andrew Yang, and I... You know, I've been running on this for quite some time. Uh, Mayor of Holyoke, Massachusetts, Alex Morris, who's also running for Congress in his district. Uh, We've endorsed him. uh, So you definitely need to get behind Alex uh, in his race. And then the most important person, because I don't know her quite as well. I was saying to her before, it's like I know Mayor Tubbs and uh, and Mayor Morris a little too too well. So there's they're uh, less interesting. the mayor of Compton, Aja Brown, welcome. Welcome to each and every one of you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having well, us. You're all, yeah, you're all incredible, awesome, young, next-gen leaders who are championing basic income. So I have two goals for this, because I've been in your shoes. I mean, Alex is an active candidate right now, so every minute of his time is super valuable. <laughs> and you're all mayors, so like an hour of your time is super valuable. So I have two goals, three, let's say. Uh, number one is to drive value for each of you because that's just the, the way we roll. So we got to try and make sure that Alex gets some support and each of you hopefully uh, make your case. The second thing uh, is to talk about Mayors for a Guaranteed Income and that organization, uh, how it came about, what the goals are and what we can do to help. And the third thing is for each of you to actually enjoy yourselves, which I, I know is going to be tough, but I've been in your shoes where you're like the candidate or the pro or the mayor and you come on and you seem really smart and profound and caring and idealistic. And, you know, like I, I want us to actually try and have a good time with this instead instead of each of you just like putting on the game face because I have the game face too. I can put that shit on. Uh, <laughs> but I want you all to feel like this is like a time where you can actually uh, commune a bit um, and let your hair down. So, Michael, let's start with you and Mayors for a Guaranteed Income. How the heck did this come about? I know a little bit of the backstory, um, but would love to hear from you exactly how you got started. And so, well, first, thanks for having us, Andrew. Thank you for your work and leadership. And thank you, 
Mayor Brown and Mayor Morris, not just for leading on this issue, but on nearly every issue on anything. Mayor Brown was just in paper today talking about let's investigate and make sure that those who, are, who swear to protect and serve aren't part of any crazy like law enforcement gangs. So I think as a woman, as a black woman, to be out in front and say, no, 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 let's do a federal state investigation just points to kind of the leadership that um, you two and all the other mayors as part of the, of the network provide. And a lot of it came, Andrew, partly from watching just how, when you made the decision to run for president, primarily on this idea of a guaranteed or universal basic income, how much momentum from the, the idea attracted and seeing how- You're giving me too much credit, so- Michael. You're giving me too much credit. You were on this stuff before I, I arrived on the scene. But, but it was, it, 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 it made it very clear how it was a national, it was a, the, the nation was more ready for it than, than many people anticipated. Um, so then during COVID-19 and sort of seeing how for the folks in the Stockton pilot, which we launched in February, 2019, so many of them were persisting because of this $500 that they were lucky to get and how it allowed one lady who was COVID positive to take two weeks off of work. It allowed another person who didn't get access to unemployment benefits, a stable sort of income for three months while they waited to get unemployment roles. And it had me thinking like before I was all in, but after seeing kind of COVID-19 and some people out of work, I said, no, this has to be something that has to be national and something that a lot of other mayors would get, 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 get on board with. And then the George Floyd protests, um, which we know it's not just about police brutality, but about the violence of poverty, the violence of lack of opportunity. I think really had me go back to Dr. King, who was talking about the guaranteed income during a similar time in this nation's history when there was 253 riots across the nation of people who were protesting and saying enough is enough. And I think it was COVID-19 and George Floyd that made me realize that a lot of mayors were actually already thinking about or working on doing this. Like a week before we talked to Mayor Brown, she was already doing something with Give Directly with folks with SNAP benefits and, and so many others. And it felt it was time for all of us to bring our collective energy and collective voice to an issue that I think speaks to um, the pain of so many of our constituents. This idea that we're working hard, that we're creating value, but we don't see that translating into the ability to pay bills, the ability to pay for food, and the basic ability to stay home when you're sick so you don't spread COVID-19. Well, uh, Michael and I were on a panel, what was it, two years ago now? I guess the, your trial was just getting started three years ago. Three, maybe. it was 2017. No. <laughs> yeah, it was October 2017. I guess I believe you, man. Time has flowed. Uh, so we're on a panel about basic income. Uh, Annie Lowry moderated. It was wonderful. It was in Los Angeles. It was a very nice event. And then you said to me after the panel, you said, Andrew, you can say shit I could never get away with saying. <laughs> and, uh, and it was because I was going whole hog after the fact. It's like, look, we have to stop uh, treating human value and economic values the same things. Like if we persist in that, we're doomed because we're going to automate away so much of the, um, the, the current uh, labor force. Uh, and, and I really took that to heart, Michael. It's one of the things that, um, that came through to me during the campaign was that like we each have a message and unfortunately or fortunately like the message and the messenger really get tied up together uh, today in America. You know, it's like, like like we could all be saying the same thing and it would be interpreted very, very differently based upon uh, who we are. Uh, so, Asia, I know that uh, it sounds like Michael's been whispering basic income in your ear for quite some time and, and also 
you were working on something independently before um, uh, mayors for AGI became officially a, a thing. Would love to hear about your experience. And I know you grew up in tough circumstances, a single mom, like uh, in the area. And so you've experienced what the impact of poverty can be in terms of not just financial goals, but in terms of your health, your stress, your ability to learn. Absolutely. Um, well, first, uh, Andrew, thanks for having me. Um, I said it privately, but I'll say it publicly. I just thank you for your leadership um, and bringing these ideas um, really to the forefront and the mainstream. Um, as everyone said, the messenger is really important and it really takes all of us coming together um, to push this this needle forward. And for Michael Tubbs, he is a, a great friend of mine. Um, I, I call him my brother, my little brother. And um, he has just been a tremendous leader as I've always known him to be um, in this space of bringing justice um, and equality to all people. The guaranteed income is really about dignity, that regardless of your circumstance, you deserve to live a life that is free of terror from the, the basic necessities of having to um, continually move. Uh, I, I shared earlier uh, briefly that I grew up with a single mother and have a twin brother. So she needed everything double time um, for, for us. And that meant that I took the backseat um, a lot of times with making requests to be a part of community or, or extracurricular activities. And I was always cognizant that my mother just could not afford um, those things. And those are those that's the, the stress levels and the considerations that little children are impacted um, by by uh, not having a stable and, and a basic income floor. And so I know uh, firsthand, as I said, that having a few hundred dollars extra a month could meet everything to communities, to people that live in poverty. Uh, my mother, for one, if she, I know for a fact, if she had an additional $200 a month that when car repairs came up, um, it wouldn't mean that my family had to move because my mom had to decide side of fixing her car in order to go to work so that we can continue move, uh, moving forward and having to find a new apartment. And so this was a cycle that uh, I grew up in. And that's not something that any family should uh, deal with in the most wealthiest nation of America. Uh, we've gotten away from um, the, the really core values of America where, where the American dream was attainable to all people. And we know that that's not the case, especially in a nation where uh, the, the wealth rests with the, uh, the top 1% of the population. Yeah. Um, and that that just cannot be, and especially when it's literally physically impossible for those people to spend that wealth. And even if they spent uh, money every single day continuously, they still can spend all the wealth that they've acquired. And so it just makes sense to be able to redirect that money to um, the bottom 99 so that people can live with dignity and that we can jumpstart our economy and that we can have better systems that really um, lift the, the whole nation as a whole. Um, and so I'm really committed to this work. When, as I said, Michael Tubbs is a champion. Um, I, when he calls, uh, I'm always there for him. And when he was able to uh, navigate and, and resurrect this uh, basic income program, many people uh, called him a socialist and they, it was really derogatory. He took a lot of heat uh, on in every level from the political realms and in the trenches, and I'm sure in his community. Um, but he is a, a tremendous leader, thought leader, um, and I look forward to seeing what he does, Not obviously not only in Stockton, but on the national stage, because he's making a difference literally throughout um, communities across the nation. Yeah, Mayor Tubbs's star just keeps rising. I mean, he was yes. featured in the HBO documentary uh, that just came out. Uh, you know, he has a uh, now he's a dad, um, so so that that that's uh, giving him a couple more sleepless nights, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Alex, so Alex and I literally were just on a Zoom together last night um, because we've endorsed <laughs> Alex's campaign. Um, uh, Alex 
It's like my one of my like favorite political figures in the country, in part because he went to Brown where I went, uh, <laughs> and then he was turned right around and went back to his hometown. And I joked last night that that is not the usual Brown University thing to do. Like the Brown University thing to do is to move to Brooklyn, <laughs> not to not to move to your hometown, uh, and then become mayor at age 22. He's been mayor now for, uh, I guess, like four terms or whatever, because they're like two-year terms. It's nuts, right? <laughs> um, they just changed it to four-year terms, and now he's running for Congress against this uh, congressman, uh, Neil, um, who I, I think Nancy Pelosi just cut an ad for him, um, which uh, did did not um, do anything to sway me <laughs> from endorsing Alex in this race. Uh, because you know, I think Alex is the future of Western Mass. So, uh, Alex, would love to hear uh, about your journey and how you also came to join this coalition of mayors for guaranteed income. Great. Well, thank you again for having me, Andrew, and, and great to be with you for back-to-back -back events. And of course, want to thank Mayor Tubbs and, and Mayor Brown for uh, for their leadership and, and partnership as, as colleagues. And I've known Mayor Tubbs for for quite a bit, and just want to echo what uh, Mayor Brown said about Mayor Tubbs for really leading the way on the on the local level for a guaranteed income and, and piloting this and talking about this and amplifying this cause well before it became part of the political mainstream, uh, if I can say it's there. And so thank you for, yeah, thank you for your leadership, uh, Mayor, and, and proud to join this coalition uh, alongside you. And um, again, thank you, Andrew, for, for your leadership during your campaign. And, and as you know, in the midst of this pandemic, this has become more relevant and important than, than ever before. And you know, I talked a little bit about Holyoke's a city of, of 40,000 people right outside Springfield. And I say it's a, a, a small city with big city challenges. We were once the paper city of the entire country, the first planned industrial city in, in the United States. And because the forces of capitalism and globalization, we fell on hard times. Those factories shuttered, jobs moved down south and overseas at the very time new people came to our community. And today we're, we're, we're largely, we're 50% Latino, mostly of Puerto Rican descent. And the jobs that were once available to Irish immigrants and Polish immigrants were not available to Puerto Rican migrants in our in our community. And so for years, policymakers and mayors have struggled with, well, how do we create jobs and build wealth for people in our community? And when I think about the, the fact that we focus on entrepreneurship and build and wealth building opportunities for, for people in our community, not not sort of seeking large corporations coming in so our residents can make minimum wage jobs, but how do we give people the tools they need? to start their own business and build wealth for themselves and for their families. It's why I'm a strong supporter of a single payer healthcare system and why I'm a strong supporter of a, of a guaranteed income. In the middle of this pandemic, while our federal government seems more concerned with you know, bailing out corporations and institutions and businesses, you know, we need to fight for a people's bailout. People here in Holyoke, we already have a high population of folks that are food insecure, housing insecure, that are concerned with how to put food on the table and pay their rent, pay their mortgage, and now with the like incredible reduction in the economy, the fact that our economy has shrunk by what, over 33% in the last quarter, our GDP by 10%, our economy is not going to return to the way it was before. And so we were already forced to redefine what, what productivity was, who capitalism was serving, and now it's even more pronounced um, in, in communities like Holyoke and communities across the country. And so this is really about, you know, as, as Mayor Brown said, basic humanity and dignity for our people and what choices people can make. Like, can you start that business? Can you be a mother or a father and, 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 and take care of your kids at the same time? Or do you have to choose between working to provide for your family or being there for your child? 
And, and no person in this country, in the wealthiest country on earth, should have to make that decision. And clearly we're ill-prepared uh, in terms of policy and legislation to meet families where they're at. And so I'm incredibly excited to join with Mayor Brown and Mayor Tubbs and other mayors around the country to, to advance this conversation in our communities. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Uh, Alex, I'm so excited for your race. Like there's such a paradigm shift going on where uh, you have your corporate funded opponent who's been sitting there for years and decades. Uh, and then uh, you have you and you guys have raised almost as much as they have, despite the fact that in your case, it's all small donors. Uh, grassroots donors. Uh, I donated myself uh, to your campaign. We all need to support you and make sure you win. Um, I would be so pumped for that. Uh, the 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 difference between you winning and and Congressman Neal winning is so massive. Like it would break my heart if we don't we miss this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Like I think I think you are going to win. Um, and having a champion for basic income in the Congress at that level would be awesome. Um, I think we're going to make it happen. Uh, really, thanks yeah. to you. The fact that you're like and just... I, no, and I and I your your support means the world to me and, and to our team. And and you're right, we've raised over a million dollars at this point from nearly twenty thousand grassroots individual contributions. According to my math, that's fifty dollars each. Uh, yeah, ninety five percent, hundred dollars. <laughs> and I'm running against a, a member of Congress that takes the most amount of corporate money of any member of the House, Democrat and Republican. He just took the top spot away from Republican Kevin McCarthy. And that's from Wall Street and big pharma and pharmaceutical companies. And he's even, again, publicly denounced and come out against the Paycheck Guarantee Act. He's come out against monthly recurring emergency payments throughout the duration of this pandemic. And even has a gall to cite the, cite the deficit, you know, something oftentimes reserved for folks on the right. And so he just fails to meet the urgency of this moment. And, you know, it's time we actually send unbought Democrats to Washington. It's not enough to be a Democrat. You have to be a Democrat that actually wants to represent and fight for people. Anyone who's worried about the deficit right now is worried about the wrong thing, that's for sure. We need to worry about human beings and families in our communities. Um, so, Michael, how does this work? Like, let's say, so how many mayors are in mayors for a guaranteed income right now? And then what is the commitment? Like when Asia and you were connecting, uh, maybe you had the same conversation and Asia was like, OK, what does it take to join this awesome coalition? Is there like a, 
like a set of principles or a pledge or a commitment? Like, what does it look like? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's about twenty mares now, and very, very, very low threshold. Really, it's number one. Um, commit to piloting or doing something in your city because we know that we just need more kind of stories we could point to because data doesn't move policy like it should, but stories that look like the American people do. Um, so commit to piloting a, a guaranteed income of some sort in your city um, over the next year. Um, the second commitment but, was- so There's a, a time frame on that, like uh, over the next year? Well, the way we're fundraising, that's what it's looking like. And that's kind of the, the intention. So I think most cities will have something up before the end of this year, like a plan. And next year, the vast majority should be ready to pilot. Um, number two would be to advocate, particularly during this time, for a, a guaranteed COVID income. Um, so we've sent letters, we've had briefings with leadership, we've had briefings with the CBC, we've sent even more letters, we've been tweeting, we've been doing interviews, and just showing that throughout this nation, that all, all mayors who are on the front lines and see small businesses closing, see folks who are literally working all day as essential workers and then have to go to the food bank at night to get food because they still have enough money. And we're seeing just the how the, the to your point, Andrew, the focus, the conversation oftentimes is on the wrong thing. We're at a Great Depression type of moment. And the fact that unemployment insurance is the only ha trick we have in the bag, where unemployment insurance is a response to a 1935 pandemic. We're now in 2020. We have to add to our understanding how the economy works. So number two, advocating. Um, and those are really the, the two big commitments and, and not being afraid to speak about, and I love the way you said it, Mayor Brown, we're talking about not just a guaranteed income, we're talking about universal human dignity. We're talking universal about what human world, dignity. I should have run on that. Like, <laughs> UHD. Yeah. <laughs> what world do we want people to live in? And, and, and what agency, as Mayor Moore says, we want people to have. We want people to have the agency to decide where to work, how to work, what business to start. And we're, we're seeing right now that we live in a society, unfortunately, that does not provide dignity to all people. That has to change. So, uh, Aja, I would love to hear from you. So you joined uh, and then now you have some kind of um, pilot in mind. And the thing that, that uh, I reflect on is that if you're a mayor, you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. You've got a lot of different budgetary priorities. And so when you commit to having one of these pilots, you're like, OK, like, where do I get the money for this thing? Um, do I get it out of the existing budget? Do I get it from philanthropic sources? So what does that consideration look like? Um, for you as a mayor? For me, um, I have uh, definitely come into a city that had financial challenges, not unlike Stockton. Um, and so I recognize that in order to uh, get this pilot off the ground, it's going to require um, private donors and, and commitments. And so um, for me, that means fundraising. Um, that means creating and working collaboratively with potential donors on a pilot that would be effective for my community. Uh, specifically, I'm, I'm focusing on measuring um, in Compton the impact of PTSD um, and how this uh, the, this basic income will change um, how people feel, um, how they their outlook on life, um, their ability to be present with their children and educate um, their kids and, and spend quality time, their uh, ability to actually think beyond uh, the immediate and, and plan um, for a life in the next several years and thinking long-term, like starting a business or having um, impact. Um, and then I, I really like to gauge um, how people are able to expand um, their time when they're not so focused on the basic necessities. What shall they do? Should, should, could they find hobbies? I mean, and that's something that 
people that have grown up poor hobbies, realize that a, a lot of people don't have hobbies. They're literally <laughs> in survival mode. I mean, so finding out, do you like to garden? Do you like to work out? I mean, do you like to read? I mean, just finding basic things that the, the normal person or the average person. This sounds far too ambitious, Aja. Like, <laughs> someone do something that is not directly translating into right. uh, immediate compensation. Like, I, I don't know what you're suggesting here. You're suggesting like... Uh, like uh, actually like leisure time um for, for that. like that uh, this is totally unacceptable um <laughs> so uh well i love that um and one thing that uh michael you just suggested is that people respond to other people and other stories i had the same feeling on the trail where i was arguing to give everyone money um and then i started giving a thousand bucks a month to families in iowa and new hampshire and the the funny thing is that there were like these campaign finance rules in place where um, yeah. it was unclear what the restrictions were and like whether I can do that. And so one thing we f figured out was 100% uh, like above board that no one could dispute is that I could just as a private citizen give someone else a thousand bucks a month. Um, and uh, so that's what I did. And the embarrassing thing was actually was writing personal checks. Um, and, uh, like, uh, it, there was like one month where like, I'd forgotten to send the checks cause I was kind of busy running <laughs> and then I get like a text message from someone being like, Hey, um, the, you know, the, that like, that was, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then I, I turn around, um, but we did that in part so that people could see it. Uh, people could, um, see their neighbor getting the money. And just now we had millions of Americans who got $1,200, uh, in April and it was not enough. Um, but I, I think that they really enjoyed the experience <laughs> and that, that it also put to bed a lot of ridiculous myths around like, oh, it's going to make you lazy. Like, oh, you're going to turn around and like do something terrible with it. Uh, so, Alex, on your side, when you make this commitment to mayors for uh, AGI, like what is your thought on, on funding sources? Since it sounds like Aja is uh, turning around and fundraising from private donors. Do you think that's what most mayors are going to do? And do you think that that's your approach too? Yeah, I think, I think first and foremost, it's, it's being able to prove that this, uh, you know, the pilot itself will be successful in the impact it has on our local economies and on our families. Uh, but I've also said, you know, number one, as a mayor and, and as a candidate for Congress, like universal basic income and policies that work for working people and families shouldn't be reserved for the private sector. And so, you know, thankful to, you know, corporations and, and donors and philanthropists that are, have invested in this movement because they're helping us get closer to proving to, to folks at the federal level that this is a worthwhile investment in actual people. Uh, but I want to, you know, in my current capacity as mayor, you know, amplify and elevate the need for government to make this investment. Uh, and, as a, and as a future member of Congress, you know, elevate this at the, at the federal level that, yeah, even after a one-time payment of $1,200, which wasn't near enough, we saw poverty rates go down for the first time in decades. And so, you know, people are struggling with, well, how do we tackle poverty? How do we level the playing field? It's, well, let's actually give folks money and so that they can pay, the, pay their bills and it actually stimulates the economy. And when people got $1,200, they were using it to invest back in the, back in the economy to, to, to make sure they have basic things for themselves and their families. I mean, nearly 50% of the American people have lost some sort of income or job in the middle of this pandemic. And so, again, this is only advance and accelerated the need for a guaranteed income. And, and again, I think this is something that the government should be investing at the end of the day, but until we get there and have the political you know, capital and, and, and movement behind us, uh, I think it's important that we take the time to reach out to folks that will help us prove and make the difference uh, locally for now. Uh, I, I've been in 
those shoes and it's tough especially with and again in your cases because you're mayors and you have you're getting stretched in all these different directions there are all of these worthy projects for you um i totally agree with you alex and all of you that this needs to be uh something at the government level um but in, in the meantime we're often reliant upon private philanthropy so humanity forward is running a very small basic income trial that may or may not be the same scale that ends up materializing in the 20 cities um, that, that are part of uh, Mayors for AGI. Uh, maybe $700,000 uh, or so where we're giving it to uh, perhaps uh, 25 to 30 different families over a period of time. Um, and we're hoping to document the results and have filmmakers and storytellers uh, like follow the families. Um, and we raise that money privately uh, which is something that, you know, I, I'm very grateful for. Um, so I'm trying to imagine ways that we could make it so that this is like a slam dunk for dozens, hundreds of mayors to join in on. Uh, and, and to me, if I'm a mayor looking at this, I'm like, okay, well, the first thing is like, do I believe in some sort of uh, basic income as a policy? And to me, like, if you're a mayor looking around at what's going on in your community, like, it, like at, at this point, it's, uh, completely obvious that we need to do something like this. Like you, you can't sincerely be looking to try and solve your constituents' problems and say like, you know what would not be helpful to all these folks right now? <laughs> like, you know, 500 bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, and 74% of Americans agree on cash relief during COVID. So the vast majority of your constituents are going to be on board with that. Uh, so I feel like the main um impediment for mayors joining is going to be something around funding. Um, Michael, is that like a correct read? Um, because if I was a mayor looking at it, like that would be like the concern I'd have is like, okay, where am I going to get the money uh, for this pilot if I run it? I think that's part of it, but it's been really interesting in conversations we've had with many mayors who haven't joined yet. It feels still a little bit scary and risky. I think oftentimes, because even if you're a mayor, you hear your constituent stories, but by the time you're a mayor, you have a stable income. So I think you're really insulated to like the actual economic impacts are happening, particularly because everything's on Zoom. You're not having town hall meetings. You're not out and about as you used to. So there's uh, even some of my mayors I call friends who seem to have a different understanding of, of what's actually happening on the ground with their constituents. And also I think because the mayor position, you're the executive, you have to think about all the ramifications, you have to think of it, you, you think about everything. I think it causes a lot of people to be a little trigger shy and a little bit uh, scared to, to challenge and to push. Um, and I really understand what this moment is an unprecedented one. And unemployment insurance in and of itself is not going to get there because, again, 40% of the people in California who qualify for unemployment insurance still have not received a check and their bills are still coming through. So I think part of it is the budgetary issue, but I think part of it is also just evolving mindsets. I think so many people want to believe we live in a country like we've been taught that if you work hard, that'll be enough to pay the bills. That if you do, if you make right decisions, if you're contributing, then your rent will be paid, then, then you can eat. That, that poverty is a function of terrible personal choices or being economically insecure is because you don't know how to spend money. When as we know, that's just not the case. That's not how the economy has ever worked, but particularly doesn't work that way um, today as COVID's making it clear. So we're doing a lot of work and calling in our other mayors. And actually the U.S. Conference of Mayors Blueprint for America will include basic income as something that um, Congress should enact. We 
also passed a resolution from the U.S. Conference of Mayors. So we're seeing more and more momentum. And I think as we get more and more through this COVID process, you'll see more mayors come on board. And Aja, I would love your perspective on uh, what the what you think we could do to make it so that other mayors feel like the water's warm or the water's safe. Uh, um, and um, one of the thing I'm going to suggest to folks who are watching this or listening to this is to actually write or call your mayor and say, hey, you know, it's a really good idea of like basic income. You should really do that. You join this uh, Mayors for AGI and um, it's going to be very positive for you, your people, uh, the energy around your uh, your leadership. Um, what would you suggest, Aja, if, if someone's listening to this and trying to think, okay, how can I get my mayor on board? I think reaching out is just critical. I can uh, tell you that when uh, we announced the um, Mayors for Guaranteed Basic Income and r residents from other communities reached out to our office asking if I can contact their mayor for them because they want them to join a uh, GBI. And so um, it's something that once people understand that it's um, out there, that there's a movement for that, then um, they definitely want to be a part of it. And I think um, as Michael Tubbs is doing, um, leading the way with positive peer pressure, um, looking at uh, different angles and then just presenting data. But as we all have said um, on today is that stories are everything. And I think that um, if there's an opportunity to have a budget to just communicate to um, the, the mayors at large or communities at large about the, the impacts of, of basic income and really I've love to see just some stories from the Stockton pilot about um, how that pilot impacted their life. And I think that when you hear that people were able to have less stress, more dignity, um, able to just branch out and expand as a human being, I don't think that any mayor that has a, a concern or care or love for their community could negate that. So I think sharing stories are critical. Um, we're putting pressure, uh, positive pressure on mayors uh, through the U.S. Conference of Mayors and other um, formats, but um, people are usually touched by um, things that come to their doorstep. So I know that as we are able to continue to scale up and communicate more, um, that that will be a, a great platform. And even with uh, docu-stories and, and uh, various uh, means, there are different platforms, um, 60 second docs that um, there's different, as, as everyone is more connected um, through COVID, we can definitely could use social media and do a robust campaign targeted to mayors um, and targeted to these communities that we'd like to see come on board as well. So. I think we just have to use every um, means necessary uh, to put that pressure um, and, and really raise the bar because what we're talking about is not um, a, a political um, ploy. This this is about, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not no, a gimmick. Not. Uh, it, it's it's not about, uh, you know, being liberal or, or, or conservative. We're talking about humanity. And so we have yeah. to take those confines off and think about how do people in America deserve to live. And if people are not living with that basic threshold, then we have work to do. And that we, we it, it's it's beholden of us to think about ways to be able to ensure that that quality of life. Um, and it's, and we're, and we've fallen short. And so we, we have to commit to doing that work. Uh, Alex, you became mayor at 22, uh, which is obviously like, I'm sure you were the youngest mayor of your city. I, like You were all the youngest mayors of your cities in history, I think. I think that's like a common thread here. Um, and so you had to go against the grain a lot. That's true for all of you. Mm -hmm. uh, like, how do mayors commune with each other? And the fact that you have these 20 mayors now and rising, like, 
Uh, yeah, like like what what does that network look like, and what does quote unquote like peer pressure on mayors look like? And, and I'll speak from my perspective. My goal is to make it so that it's just a political no-brainer to be for this, uh, that you win, you don't lose, and everyone just likes you more. <laughs> you know, like, like, like that, that, that's my goal. Uh, that it, like you get more support, donations, visibility, love, humanity, like all of it. But um, like, what what has your experience been in terms of the way that mayors uh, learn about things that might help their community, and what can we do to help? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. It, it's so interesting because you know mayors obviously we oversee the boundaries of our of our borders of our municipality and so so often we see these issues as only caring about things that are happening inside of our communities and so when it comes to you know luring jobs or tax revenue you know we think oh it's a, traditionally mayors would would think it's a, a good thing if a company moves from one neighboring community into their community um, as if it's some um, as if it's some um, takeaway and, and add here when we're really regional economies and a, and a national economy and we should be collaborating and, you know, not every corporation or company would, would be a good fit in Holyoke. Like what are our competitive advantages and assets that make it, that, that make like it, it natural for certain industries and companies to come to the city of Holyoke. And I think I mentioned last night, you know, I, I opposed a casino coming to town when I first ran for mayor, we blocked a Walmart coming to town because it had a net negative impact on our local economy and exploited residents here hurt small businesses and, you know, partner with local uh, labor unions and activists to, uh, to pretty much prevent them from coming to the city. But it's more than, it, it's sort of looking at issues globally. And, and, and regionally, we have a network of mayors in Western Massachusetts. We have a statewide network of mayors in, in the entire state here. And then as uh, Mayor Brown alluded to the United States Conference of Mayors, where there's different task forces and, and coalitions based on the particular issue, whether it's climate or telecommunications or in this case, a guaranteed income. And I don't think this should be one of those things as, as was already stated that we should have to expend much political capital on convincing people why this is important, particularly if you're a mayor of a community where so many people are, are left behind and forgotten about. And I oftentimes say, I've been mayor for nine years. We've made a lot of progress, but the longer I've been mayor, the more I get frustrated with our federal government. The fact that over 60% of our federal budget goes to the Pentagon and goes to war and defense and pennies go to education and affordable health care and, and building hospitals and community health centers. I mean, we haven't had a new school built in our community in over 32 years. And so mayors like the three of us are forced to do the best we can with the resources we have. And so if you're a mayor of a community where, uh, where you have any folks uh, that are at risk of losing their house or are homeless themselves or struggle to put food on the table, um, have fallen through the cracks of a broken education system, Oftentimes we put the burden on people and families when we, we refuse to look inward and think, well, how are our institutions and public schools excluding people? And so any reasonable mayor, Republican, independent, Democrat, whatever your political affiliation is, if you care deeply about the people you represent, you will naturally come to the conclusion that a guaranteed income is the right policy uh, to move forward. I agree with you, and so I, I thought there'd be like this. Well, and, and it's happening. I mean, it's gone from what ten to twenty in uh, in like just a matter of days. Michael, is that right? Something like that. I have to get the exact numbers. Yeah, I, I mean, when I saw the announcement, I I think I tweeted like, "Why the fuck would you not join this?" <laughs> it was, it was, I thought it's like if you're a mayor, it's like what is my downside here? And, and I agree with you, Alex, that that. Uh, 
cities have generally uh, balanced budgets that they have to meet. I mean, you might be able to borrow money or issue bonds a little bit like here and there, but like you can't just go out and like, you know, like print gobs of money. Uh, states have these balanced budget amendments very often. I think 40 out of 50 need to have a balanced budget. And then you have the feds who are just like, what is going on over there? It's like hundreds of billions and, and like and, and the money's not going to improve our way of life. Uh, and that if I were a mayor, I completely agree. I would have come to this conclusion and been like, what is going on? Like, why are we being forced to like try and uh, like stretch pennies until they break uh, and not get a new school for decades and have our infrastructure crumble and have all these things just go to pot like underneath us? Um, and, and and this is like something that's true, I think, of American society generally, particularly since we've all been brainwashed by capitalism and the meritocracy and the, and the, the other nonsense is that like pretty much everyone has to have like a can do attitude. Like if you're a mayor and your factory closed and things are going bad and like your you know schools are depleted and people are addicted to drugs like and then someone sticks a mic in front of your face you have to be like you know we can do it we're going to come back stronger everything's going to be all right and the rest of it uh and, and then you look around being like you know what would actually you know what really help matters is if we put money into people's hands we built a new school we got some genuine resources for the folks who are struggling with addiction uh you know like actually try to create an, an economy of the 21st century as opposed to the 20th so, or the 19th, I mean, hell, like, you know, like who, who the heck knows what's, and, and I've been all around the country. And so I've seen these towns and you feel for the leadership there because you feel like so many of the mayors are sticking band-aids on top of freaking like deep infections and deep wounds, you know, and they're like slapping the band-aid on and being like, hey, I got the band-aid on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like you're being forced into these ridiculous, uh, you know, contortions and exertions that, that uh, aren't necessary. Uh, so that's my mini rant, I suppose. I would, would love to hear from each of you really what we can do to help. Like if there is a specific thing that you're working on that we can do to help move mayors for a guaranteed income forward. Because I think what you're doing is so important. And what I said before about the message and the messenger. It's like you all are fantastic messengers and leaders and the people in your community, when they see uh, basic income in action as they have already in Stockton, like there's just no denying it. Everyone looks up and says, okay, that that's phenomenal and we should do that in more places. So what can we do to help each of you? And there are going to be you know, thousands and thousands of people that hear this, like what can we do to help? So I'm going to, to uh, start with you, Aja. What can we do to help you and the folks in Compton or the uh, mayors for AGI? You know, I'm going to actually ask uh, Michael to start first at the top down and I can talk uh, more specifically about Compton. Um, he's, the whole team is raising for the pilot um, and to be able to get the infrastructure necessary. So Mike, if you want to talk more about the needs for that um, so that we can scale up with more I, I love it. Mike, we're going to get inside of your head and like like the the the, uh, the master plan for the mayor's yeah. or AGI. Like, we'll <laughs> even, no, I, I think the biggest thing, I would say, Andrew, in Asia, the points you guys raised around just the storytelling component would be super, super helpful. And the point you raised, Andrew, about making the mayors who joined feel really good about joining would also be super helpful. So like amplifying when a new mayor joins, um, telling folks who are part of Humanity Forward to reach out to their mayors. I know Color of Change has been doing a campaign with a couple of mayors where they have members. I'm telling them to join, but I think just making the permission structure one that's 
feels good. It feels like the cool thing to do. And continuing that drumbeat will be helpful, but also just amplifying um, the stories of, of the, not just the folks in Stockton, but also um, just even the way these mayors talk about the dignity of their constituents or kind of the future of their cities. Just the more I think people hear from a lot of di diversity of voices around this issue, it would be a big help. And then on the further side, we've already been in conversations about just working with every mayor to identify sort of what their needs are so that we haven't scaled up as quickly because with the first 20 cities, we're going really deep and doing hours and hours of TA and, and pilot design just to make sure when we step out, we step out um, in a way that, that, that makes sense. So I think um, continued help on, on the fundraising push for the mayors. We have three million from Jack and from that, every mayor is getting 150,000, I think, or 100,000 to- Whoa, look at that. Look at that. You join this thing and you get 100 grand. That's incredible. Start having, having a staff member or someone to sign and then having further conversations with folks around whether it's a mix of CARES Act relief dollars, which you could do one-time income stuff with and private funds, how do you get there? So super long answer, but the short of it is amplification, a good permission structure, and then if there's folks interested in kind of mayors who are on the ground who are really the fun, just send them um, our way because all the mayors are ready and literally spending hours and hours every week on the phone with my staff and their staff figuring out what's the best way to design pilots for their cities. So just to, to dig into that for a second. So you started with several million dollars and then you put, let's call it 100 to 150K to work to help each city get set up. Is that right? Yeah, so we, we thought... For, for to your point about making a, a celebration that because these mayors were doing so much work and it, a lot of it's time and we're still in the midst of pandemics or still mass civil unrest. Much to do, yeah. We need to, so we gave them money and said, here's money once you give us a work plan. And with that, you can hire a staff person. You can, whatever you need to do, create a task force, but here's some funding, some seed funding to get you started. And you can also go back to your community with like, no, I'm doing something. Like this is moving forward. So if you were a private philanthropist and you wanted to help, because I, you know, I figure out there must be a, a few <laughs> listening to this. Uh, so they can give straight to mayors for AGI and then that money can go out to help other folks um, start developing work plans. Is that correct? Or would it be to give specifically to a given city's trial or both? I, it's, well, it's really up to people. So as, as a network, we've been fundraising for the collective, but we have also, to your point, come across funders who are interested in funding something in the LA area with the consortium of mm -hmm. LA City. So we connect them with the LA City team. We have folks who are interested in Midwest cities or interested in cities on the East Coast, et cetera. So it's, it's donor preference, right? We just know we have a all, and literally we have the best mayors. I don't get to brag on all the mayors we have. You do we have the have best mayors, it's true. I don't know if they can tell, most of the three of you. But like, I see who joined and I'm like, this is like the all-star roster of like my favorite mayors. So, so everyone's primed and ready working now. And I think as soon as there's a commitment for more dollars for pilots, people will be ready to run. But even right now, you heard Mayor Brown had her research questions, what she wants to measure, et cetera. And Mayor Morse the same way, because we're serious about this, because we understand that while we wait for the federal government to act, we can apply more pressure when we're saying, look, we're already doing it without the power of spending that you have, because we are really about the people, as you all should be as representatives of the, of, of the people in D.C. Well, this is getting me super excited because if we get the money in place and these trials start running around the country, then this is 
uh, unbeatable. This is uh, inevitable. Um, so exciting. We got to get you more of the um, resources and uh, money and attention um, to keep this wave growing. I will 100% do my part. Um, very exciting. <laughs> like that. I mean, it's funny. It's like literally like, <laughs> like I'm getting more excited. And I'm like the, the guy who eats, sleeps and breathes this stuff. Um, uh, uh, Aja, would, would love to yeah. hear from you. What can we do to help? Like, uh, are there uh, funders? And oh, just one small thing, Michael, before I, I forget, there's an NBA player who uh, called me um, and asked me about how he could help. And I think I'm going to send him your way. Um, like for whatever reason, some NBA players seem to be loving universal basic income, uh, but he's he's based in California, so I'll I'll do that after this. <laughs> I think he saw you shoot jump shots on the campaign trail and was like, "This guy got it." Yeah, that was not it. <laughs> People are being, you know, it's like you know, and you you all will know this. I will say that the standards are so low for a presidential candidate. Like if if you're if you evince any kind of humor, humanity, everyone's like, "Oh, look at look at that!" Like this person's not a. <laughs> Total raging lunatic or asshole. Like let, let's uh, let's <laughs> let, let's sign up for this. Sometimes, um, and Andrew, I would just recommend that um, if there's uh, someone that really wants to roll their sleeves up to consider doing um, some crowd uh, fundraising for the initiative, um, because we're governmental entities, we do have certain restrictions um, from that, and so they could definitely align and um, be a support, and they could definitely obviously donate directly to cities like Compton. I'm always going to put Compton, um, but there are um, other opportunities as well to just support the system um, of mayors, as Michael Tubb said. Um, and there's so much alignment and opportunity. And I think that if people are, are really committed, they can even customize um, how their funds are being utilized to certain pilots that meet their criteria. So it's, it's really an all hands on deck uh, a situation. So this is very, this is very important, Angel. Let, let's delve into this for a second. So let's say I was a small donor. I had 50 bucks and I said, I would love to donate this to a basic income trial in Compton. Um, and so right now I would be at a loss as to how to do that. Right. Um, so are, are you suggesting that um, that it would be possible for someone to either privately set up a crowdfunding um, page or event and say, look, this is for the Compton trial um, or like it is that helpful? It would be helpful if that person definitely is, is reputable and will work in alignment um, with the <laughs> with the, the team um, so that we obviously can track that there's so many things going on today. But um, absolutely, they can work in alignment and utilize their networks and um, to help people fun and basic income in our cities for sure. Wow, that's so interesting. So it sounds like one thing that might be helpful because there are 20 mayors, but you could set up something where it's like, a, like, hey, here are the 20 cities. You can fund trial in any of these places. And uh, the amounts might be modest at first, but it could build over time. Um, and that way you could take a load off of the mayors themselves and their teams because then you don't have to figure out, okay, who's this person? Are they legit? Are they actually gonna get the money? Uh, in, in a way, it's like maybe we should just try and set this up in a way that that everyone trusts, really, and that would help with the donors too. Um, that's enormous. This is this is incredible. We're getting like more stuff to do, but I, I love the idea of crowdfunding those trials because we, um, you know, we we've given seven million away uh, through Humanity Forward. A lot of that funded by individual donors, uh, and people want to see they're helping people. Um, and so if we could set this up for communities, I think it could be very very powerful. 
Um, and I think Andrew, just to your point, if I could just say this briefly, um, we already know, and Alex alluded to this as well, that the federal government, they just literally failed local communities. And when we think about the amount of money that is actually um, apportioned to local cities, it's pennies on the dollars, even for this CARES Act, is really laughable, the amount of money that uh, no. the for Compton received in order to, to navigate this global pandemic. And it's so, ridiculous. It's, it's, it's outrageous and, and government is so bloated uh, with so much red tape and it literally it's the same thing, unfortunately, at the state level as well, going down to the county. So I just believe in the, the methodology of giving directly to have some Yeah, we got to get the money out of the pipes and into people's exactly. hands. Right now it's getting exactly. stuck up here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I would just add to that. There, there still has been no relief to cities and towns and, and states right now. So when we think about public works and librarians and teachers and firefighters, I mean, if, if the federal government doesn't act to intervene uh, on local budgets, um, given the impact of this pandemic, I mean, the economy's, I mean, the local government is not going to look like what local government looked like six months ago. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, mayors like us are also like, what is the future of municipal government in a, in a COVID era and in a post-COVID area, era? And we're having incredibly difficult conversations as to what, what, what does the delivery of public services look like in the future? That pains me so much that you're having to deal with this because obviously it's not on any individual community that we're in the midst of this pandemic. And the last thing we need is massive layoffs on top of the job losses that already exist when you have an increased need for uh, city and state workers and not a, a lower need in many, many spaces. Uh, I, that makes me very angry. Uh, you know, like the, the state aid is a no brainer. Uh, it would just prevent job loss and help retain the jobs that exist uh, and hopefully even solve some of the problems we have, like trying to prepare, you know, it's like, like how are you gonna reopen a school if you didn't have the budget to operate even under normal circumstances. And then it's like, well, now you have to um, invest all this in like cleaning and facilities and staff and staggering, like all this stuff. It's it, like, like we're putting communities in impossible situations. Uh, so Alex, uh, what can we do to help you? And I'm going to, to do the, the pitching again. Uh, the first thing we can do is help you win your race uh, because I think that you should be the next member of Congress um, from your district. Um, and your, your opponent has done himself no favors. Uh, so the first thing, if you're looking to help Alex, um, go to his website, Alex Morse, uh, for Congress and donate, uh, you know, whatever you have, five bucks, doesn't matter. So I'll do that bit. And then uh, what else can we do to help? Great. I, I appreciate that, Andrew. Um, I know we had the event last night. I had my campaign signs behind me and then I got ready for this call. I was like, let's take them down. Um, <laughs> you're more um, disciplined. Uh, you're, you're a good public servant. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I try to be after nine years. Um, no, well, I appreciate that. And I would just echo uh, what um, Mayor Tubbs and Mayor Brown said. I mean, amplifying these stories. I do think a lot of the mayors still are unaware of the data of how bleak it is for the vast majority of of the people in our communities and across the country. And I think oftentimes when you're privileged yourself or have wealth or, you know, come from a particular neighborhood or family, you're, you're not so much aware of the lived experience of the vast majority of people in this country. And I think the onus has always been on mayors to show up in every neighborhood and talk to the most vulnerable among you. And I think that that is incredibly helpful. And I would just encourage any, just any everyday resident that is listening to this or paying attention to a guaranteed income, like local government, your mayor is accountable to you. And so, you know, show up to local council meetings, show up and contact your mayor and email them, make an appointment, um, have a phone call and, and ask your mayor about universal basic income and a guaranteed income and 
and have they talked about it and send them research on it. And, you know, we can get economic data, you know, and, and outcomes for every city and town for people that are interested in doing this. And so in addition to the crowdfunding and, and encouraging donations, I think there may also be an opportunity to encourage just everyday people around the country to, to reach out to their elected officials with, yes. some, um, with some sort of uh, data or fact sheet and, and just official requests that they, that they pursue looking into this for their community. Yeah, or just good old-fashioned constituent pressure, because there is no reason why. So you've got like the 20 best, coolest, most forward-thinking, young, dynamic, attractive mayors <laughs> in the country uh, on this, but like the 20 really should be 200, or how many mayors are there in the United States of America? Thousands, probably. Yeah, 2,000. I was about to say 2,000. That, that might be that, that, that. Like, I might have gone too far. I might have just created extra mayors. <laughs> uh, but, but, there, there's, but there's no reason why every mayor should not sign up for this. Let's make it happen. I'm going to do my part. Um, you've given me some work to do, which I will gladly embrace uh, because you're working harder than just about anyone on this stuff. Uh, I am so excited for each of you. Uh, Michael, thank you for helping lead the way. Aja, you're incredible. Uh, and I'm so glad we got a chance to meet. And Alex, we got to get you to DC where you can start yeah. knocking some heads together. Um, so thank you all so much. Anyone who's interested in this, Mayors for a Guaranteed Income, follow each of these incredible leaders because they are going to take the entire country in the right direction. Michael Tubbs, Aja Brown, Alex Morris, thank you all so much. You're the best. I hope. I hope this was a more enjoyable hour than uh, a lot of the stuff that you uh, you generally do. Um, and uh, profoundly grateful to each of you. A million percent, Andrew. Thank you for your leadership and good luck, uh, Mayor, with your congressional race. And thank you, Mayor Brown, as always, for your leadership and looking forward to um, next steps. Thank you all so much. Thank Just champions for the, for the good people of the United States. And uh, Alex, we definitely <laughs> need more mayors in, in Congress. So we'll be rooting for you and providing some support your way. <laughs> thank you both so much for your, for your uh, you. friendship and help and leadership. Yes. And thank you, Andrew. Awesome. This is like a superhero team up. All right. <laughs> <laughs>